Welcome back. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. This is the second hour of Sex for You on a Sunday night. I am Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this show. I come to you live every Sunday night when it is my pleasure to do so. And you know what? I got to say, thank you so much for listening to me. (laughs) I had some good news on Friday, I believe it was. Yes, it was Friday. And about the show. And you know, I never would have had that good news if it weren't for all of you. So for those of you who have listened, who have, you know, some of you have emailed me and you've told me you've listened repeatedly. I'm not sure why, but I love you for it. Um, thank you very much because it's it shows. And, uh, and I love your feedback, whether it's positive or negative. I love your emails and your little notes that you send to me um, wherever you send them. Uh, so it, it lifts me and it helps me to... Uh, build a better show. And uh, the show is nothing without listeners. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, Love having you. So, but you might wonder if your stars will ever align, if the stars will ever align for you in your life, in your love life, in your romantic life, with your relationship, with whatever floats your boat. And sometimes it's that zodiac sign that might help. Also, you know how the the planets collide? Well, I, I believe Mercury is in retrograde right now, and I have absolutely no idea what that means. But fortunately, Kelly Benson, a Vancouver astrologist, is on the line with me, and she knows exactly what it means. Hello, Kelly. Hey, how's it going? Fine, thanks. How are you? Very good. Oh. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much. Listen, happy Mother's Day to you as well. Uh now, um, on Tuesday night, we're going to be meeting for the first time over sex, relationships, and the stars. Yeah, best topics ever, in my opinion. I think so, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people know, they kind of know what to expect from me. I'm going to be talking about sex, <laughs> right a few sex tips, yeah. some sex toys that I'll be throwing out into the audience. So call me. I'll give you some more tickets, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. But, Kelly, what are you? what, what does somebody's birth sign um, what does that have to do with their love life in there? Like, does a Capricorn get along with an Aries? Uh, what's it like for a Gemini and a, and a Libra? Well, uh, it's kind of like, um, uh, like we have 12 mini-seasons. So the astrological year kicks off with spring equinox with the sign Aries. And then, and so we're just now into the, we're still in the beginning of the astrological new year, and now we're in the Taurus season. So it's your birth sign symbolizes a lot of the core characters, not everything. It's kind of like we're a Christmas tree, and the, and the, uh, the sun sign symbolizes sort of like your trunk or your main energy. And then there's a birth chart, and there's where all the various planets are in the sky at the time of your birth. Okay. And that sort of flushes it out. But we still do have a lot of core characteristics on our, based on our sun sign. Okay, so um, I'm a Gemini. So okay, yes, yes. what what would um, tell me what I'm like? <laughs> what yeah. does that mean? Um, cl- the, classically, uh, the Gemini, which we're coming up, your birthday's coming real soon. Yes, you're it in is. The, uh, Gifts uh, graciously uh, accepted. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're good, good. Yeah, birthday's coming, everyone. Exactly. Um, 
Uh, the um, This is when we move, Gemini symbolizes when we move from the heart of the spring season, and then we're going to be moving up towards the summer solstice, which kicks in Cancer, and that's the summer season. So Gemini is air, ruled by Mercury. It's very quick, uh, quick-witted. It's all about communications and learning, curiosity. It's also the teacher, or all forms of connecting with others. Uh, Actually, sexually, Gemini can be really experimental because they're so curious. So, I mean, I don't know you personally and what you... No, that's nothing like me. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I've not tried to womanize her a hundred times just for the sake of it. No, just kidding. (laughs) Go go ahead. You know what? I mean, it's it's shocking. You, I... Were you listening to the show before at all? So this evening, no, because I'm okay. doing so Mother's Day stuff. Yeah. We, we've never met before, but I think that, you know, that describes me a little bit, except for that experimentation part. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> probably the only one in Vancouver who does. No, um, that that does describe me. I, I believe I'm a communicator. I love people. I love connecting. I I love to educate. I am passionate about education, and I feel that will change people's lives. I feel like just this little bit of information yeah, might change yeah, something for you, absolutely. and you might be able to live a better life. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the uh, information, knowledge, education is enlightenment, and then it changes the way we think. Gemini rules the mind, even the synapses between the hemispheres, any form of exchange. So it's all about uh, becoming better through knowledge or aspiring to uh, gain more insight into the world. So Gemini is um, uh, Gemini is really fun, and actually they're often hard to keep up with because they're pretty bright. Well, I don't I'm know about that, but I'm fast. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Scorpio. Um, yeah. Now, what what does the, your sign have to do with dating? Like, what do some people because they're born under a particular sign? Do they have worse luck with dating or with meeting people? I wouldn't people? say it's about luck or, or or anything like that. But we have our predispositions. So Taurus, which we're in the sign and season of Taurus right now, mm-hmm. uh, Taurus uh, and some of the other Earth signs as well. So that would be Virgo and Capricorn are a little bit more comforted by routine and schedules and things that are a bit more predictable. Uh, whereas, say, Gemini and maybe Aquarius or Pisces, they kind of like a bit more spontaneity and they like things a little bit more changing and, and um, kind of that's where they sort of can grasp more fun. So it can show us qualities like that. And then so you might say a Taurus and a Gemini, of course, they could get along and date each other. But the Taurus may prefer to be like, well, it's Tuesday, I want to do this tonight. And the Gemini's like, but the sun is shining, let's get on our bikes and go somewhere. It wants to be, does that make some sense? Yeah, absolutely. Highly flexible, highly, uh, you know, spontaneous. And um, yes, absolutely. And I can change a plan. One, One problem I have with people is that they, if they are set on something, and they cannot change the plan. That drives me crazy. I'm just like, yeah, we're not doing that. This is way better. We're going to do this now. So I'm like that. But what about the winter people? Capricorn. Is Capricorn um, a winter one? Yeah. Capricorn's the sign that... And Sagittarius. Uh, winter solstice. Sagittarius fire sign is just as we're coming from the autumn, moving towards the winter. Sagittarius okay. opposite you on the wheel, but it's really more about being a dance partner than opposite as indifferent. Mm-hmm. It's more of a compliment. The, okay. The sign Sagittarius. So Sagittarius also, um, and Mars is in Sagittarius right now. So Sagittarius, What does that uh, actually mean? Like, are they sleeping together? Are they, <laughs> like, I really don't know what that means when Mars yeah, is in yeah, Sagittarius. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, <laughs> Sounds so good. Mars symbolizes, think of the God of War. 
Mars symbolizes uh, our sex drive or our libido or our passion, our intensity, and it is some degree of ambition, but it also rules the, like it's connected to the muscles and the blood and like what get our get up and go. So Okay, where's uh, Mars right now? Mars currently is in the sign Sagittarius. Okay. So it, it's giving a bit of a boost to the fire signs, Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Yeah, so they're lucky right now, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want Mars in Gemini, okay? Can I no, <laughs> request it, it that? It is opposite you, which is also creating a bit of an electricity then. Ah. And then Mercury retrograde. Mercury retrograde always gets the Geminis the most. Uh, so there may be, it might be particularly busy. And because your birthday's coming up, you need some reflective time. So it might be hard to squeeze out some time for yourself. Yeah, you know what? It's actually a good time right now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty pretty free, pretty chill. I've just finished a book. I, uh, I have time. I'm, you know, enjoying life. I'm getting some things done, ch- ticking things off the list and, uh, you know, out kayaking and yes. Yeah, so Fantastic. yeah, so it's good. So Fantastic. something's happening in my side, but anyway, I'm looking forward to meeting you on Tuesday night. And, uh, uh, do you have a website? I do. It's kellybenson.ca. Fantastic. K-E-L-L-Y, the way it should be spelled. Okay. (laughs) I never say should here. No, go ahead. KellyBenson.ca. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I look forward to meeting you. It's going to be great information. It'll be a fun night uh, and look forward to just we'll be able to look a little differently at how we love and why we love and some of the moves we make. Anyway, thanks so much, Kelly, for uh, joining me here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. When I come back, we're going to be talking about motherhood and sexuality. Is it incongruous? I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath, and I would have been off key, so I was not going to grace you with my voice. Some people just have that voice, you know, and I'm not one of them. But uh, welcome back. We're talking about lots of things tonight, lots of different things. One of the things, it's Mother's Day, and so often we don't associate being a mother with being sexual. and it's in large part because there's so much about society that encourages women to get in touch with their sexuality, bounce back after the baby, look at fantastic, lose all the weight. Uh, but the reality is that if a mother embraces her sexuality, especially when she has young children, it seems, she's perceived as being somebody of loose morals and not a good mother. And people are judging. They're just looking at somebody. Somebody might be attractive. They may be well put together. They may have a great body. After babies, they may be breastfeeding and have large breasts that aren't hanging down. And if they are hanging down, I have some breast boost. So (laughs) breast booster, you might want to try it. Or just get yourselves a damn good bra. Hurl those babies up. Uh, Because it it does look better. And you have to, you know, I admit, if you look better, you feel better. But it seems that motherhood and sexuality cannot coexist because sexuality... Being sexual is so tinged with badness. We can't fathom that a mother still possesses possesses a healthy, normal sexuality. Mothers are there to clean and to pick up and to pick up a mess and pick up the children and pick up from sports. And they are to be devoid of sin. I've actually had male patients say that they couldn't have particular sex with their wives who may have been of a particular faith but they could with a woman outside of their marriage. And they'd done this for many, many years in their marriage. So it's often they perceive, husbands or partners perceive their wife who becomes a mother, uh, perceives her in a way that if, if she is sexual, even with her own husband, that she is sinful 
And many people view that as a woman being trashy. And, you know, women are the worst with women. Women put down other women for uh, for dressing a particular way. Um, we're, we're regulating women's bodies and the, the perception of them. And we just need to let women be who they are. And, you know, as a mom, it's fine to be sexual. And in fact, it's really important that you maintain that relationship. Because as I say, if you're not having sex with your husband, somebody else may. Uh, but many women themselves don't feel like they want to be sexy. But uh, you need to just promote a woman's choice in terms of her own sexuality and that, that it is absolutely fine uh, to be sexual and take time in your relationship. Take care of yourself. Self-care is huge. Instead of giving so much to your children, which a lot of women put the children first, women are working inside and outside of the home today. They're exhausted and they have very little time left for that most important relationship, that intimate relationship. Or sometimes women will say, if they never have sex again, it'll be too soon. They're just so tired. They just can't even have somebody else, as they say, prodding at them at the end of the day. They've, they've perhaps been breastfeeding and cookie baking and somebody's been crying at them and snot is running all over their shirt and they're, you know, they just feel like they're exhausted and they're getting awakened in the middle of the night and then they may have to go to work in the next day. I'm really not giving motherhood a great, <laughs> a great uh, critique here, but uh, it's important that you take time to yourselves. I always recommend women take an hour a day and do nothing. And the only thing that you can do that might be something is draw a bath. But aside from that, sit in a park by yourself, do something, do nothing, just sit there and focus and think and reflect and rest. You know, even if you lie down and don't take a nap, just stay there in the bed and take a womanizer and that will help. <laughs> uh, not the real womanizer, not the guy, but the the sex toy that is a clitoral suckling device and it actually helps to, for women to experience orgasm often in less than a minute. So if you are a busy mom, this was the best. Like I had a huge uh, flux, influx of orders of sex toys this week before Mother's Day and I said to every single guy that ordered one, husband of the year, you are husband of the year. They all thought they were special. Anyway, I'm not sure if you knew this, but every brain starts out at as a female, and at eight weeks of development, either a testosterone surge kills off the cells in the communication part of the brain, and then more cells are birthed, effectively, in the sex and aggression areas, making it a male brain. Or a surge of estrogen promotes brain growth in parts that handle communication, feelings, emotional memory, and anger suppression. So who do you think they turn out to be? Exactly. Women. That's us. That's the female brain. There's a, a tremendous relationship between female hormonal fluctuations and the female brain. And you see it changing as women grow, as they develop through adolescence, and then after they have... Um, uh, when they start getting their menses and also after they've had a baby. So the brain is changing. The female brain changes all the time. It changes daily. It changes monthly because the hormone has an impact. The hormones have an impact on it. The hormones estrogen and progesterone, of course. Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, and this may explain some of the behaviors women have, uh, especially if you're in a relationship with them. It may help you to try and figure them out. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.
Welcome back. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Happy Mother's Day. I am Maureen McGrath, registered nurse, hosting this show. It's my pleasure. Thanks for staying with me if you have decided to do so. We're talking about a lot about uh, women's issues. And in particular, I left off talking about the brain and how the brain impacts uh, a woman's behavior and how the brain of a woman changes from birth all the way through uh, to postmenopausally. Uh, as a young woman ages, however, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone gradually increase in the monthly cycle. And the brain changes a little bit every day once menstruation begins. So from a biological standpoint, puberty is the time when the female brain is conditioned to focus on becoming sexually desirable and attractive. And they and there's a huge focus. That's, of course, you hear the adolescence and the hormones of adolescence, and it, but also the brain has a role there as well. And love interests peak at this time. I often say the uh, there's nothing like teenage love. Uh, you have nothing else to worry about. And uh, there's it's just that attraction. It's that, that, it's that brain, that single woman brain. The hormones urge her to find a mate. And that happens during adolescence. And, and then that carries on. I mean, we're, we're doing it a little later these days. You know, women aren't getting married and trying to start a family even into their 30s and 40s because they're focusing on their career. I often say women should have a baby in the 20s, focus on the career in the 30s, and bring a partner in in their 40s. Uh, it's, it's a little idealistic. It's not necessarily realistic, but in terms of uh, life pathways, I think it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, but most of us know that, woman, uh, that motherhood uh, changes a woman forever, and it actually changes a woman's brain. And of course, during pregnancy and birth and child rearing, the, the female brain undergoes radical changes structurally and functionally. You know, they often say uh, men marry women and hope they don't change, and women marry men and hope they do change. But women change, and this is why. Uh, they, and you may notice this uh, about the woman who you have married, if you have married a woman. Uh, but the the brain's number one goal is to ensure the survival of the species. So that mommy brain transformation starts at conception when the brain is inundated with all those neurohormones that are um, uh, birth, you know, brought on by the fetus and the placenta. So you you even see this. Even the most career oriented woman's brain circuits are changed during the process of motherhood and they and she starts to change and soften and think differently because this is evolution she is going to focus on that biological need to make to maintain close physical contact with her baby that revealing that that mothering behavior is deeply encoded in her genes so there are new neurochemical pathways that are formed in a mother's brain after the baby is born that reinforces maternal behavior i mean you hear that that mother bear that uh, you will protect your child no matter what uh, lay in front of a speeding train for them um, because the brain and reality has been transformed and regular oxytocin rewards us and that and that bonding and caring hormone, you know, even fathers, adoptive parents, and people who are around babies. I always say whenever there's a baby in the house, it's like Christmas every day. Um, so remaining in close contact with an infant benefits so many people. So just know that your brain changes. You're going to have different priorities. You may calm down um, quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's um, you know, your brain is fueled by that estrogen, the oxytocin, progesterone, and 
and then it continues to change as the kids grow and they start to leave home. The oxytocin declines. That mature female brain gets a second wind. That's why often people have better sex after uh, the, the children have left the home. They, they're more attuned to connection, communication, less attuned to approval, and also worrying so much about the kids so their brains take a break. Uh, Making sure the family stays together is no longer a biological priority. So the the brain circuits and the brain is now free to entertain new thoughts, new ambitions. You see a lot of women at the age of 50, they may start a new career. They may get out. They may have been a stay-at-home mom all these years, and then all of a sudden they decide, I'm going to get out, and I'm going to start. Women often bloom in their 50s. And, um, you know, so it can be a, a, a time that there's a great zest for life or a, or a newfound res- a zest for life and an appetite for adventure. So... It's, um, you know, people become more stable and I see it in my clinical practice when they actually will, if they're having issues in their relationship or a lot of them have low sexual desire. And I'm sorry about that. It's not that every woman has low sexual desire, but I just see that in my practice so routinely. And, and women will say, you know, it gets to a point where they'll say, I don't care if he wants to see a prostitute. I really don't care if he wants to have sex with someone else. I really don't care. And it's, I think it's in part because that brain becomes down, becomes more stable. They realize the what sex is about versus what love is about and what intimacy is about and what a relationship is about it's all complex and in general men remain men have extramarital affairs to remain in a marriage and women have them to leave so there's very different reasons and if if women were made aware of that or realize that that you know as long as you realize the risk if you are not having sex with your husband somebody else may not to beat that fact down but but why you're able to deal with it better is because your brain has changed you know as a teenager if somebody cheated on you you'd probably just go crazy and be just be so heartbroken and have anxiety and not be able to deal with it but as you mature your brain matures and all of those hormones uh, and the oxytocin and all of that um, is what helps you to actually deal with a lot of things in life uh, anyway, that's just one way. But sometimes the brain is on fire, if you will. And sometimes your brain causes you to appear like a bag of Skittles that's open on either end. And I'm going to tell you about some of my patients, my female patients, who feel overwhelmed with everything they have to do in their lives because they have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. When I come back, I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Love that song. I love every song we're playing tonight here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. Thanks for staying with me for the up to this point. It's now a two-hour show. If you have any questions for me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always call or text the buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ or 604-331-2899, 604-331-2899, especially if you want to win tickets to the event that I'll be speaking at on Tuesday, which is Sex, Relationships, and the Stars. Uh, so let's just hope that Mercury is in your star or whatever, your sign. <laughs> sounded like a good thing uh, if you were here earlier talking about astrology with me, but you know what? Uh, it may seem like I'm a little bit mixed up. And that's what happens for people who get 
ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It develops in childhood and can happen to anybody, but your genes play a very strong role. About 5 to 11% of children have ADHD, and a lot of them are girls, but a lot of the girls are missed because a lot of the girls have the... Uh, attention deficit disorder, the ADD or the hypoactivity one. That one can also be misdiagnosed, I want to say, and it, when, it, and when in actual fact it can be depression and not ADD. So but a lot of girls will have uh, ADD or ADHD, but they go uh, unnoticed because they're daydreamers in the class and they don't cause any troubles, unlike the boys in the classroom can cause a lot. So the stats are misleading. Boys are diagnosed with ADHD at twice as often as girls are, but that doesn't mean that more boys have it because, as I said, it's harder to spot in girls. I will say this, that the girls turn into women, they grow into women, and they're often diagnosed in university or college when they have to take on Uh, studying and independent studying and living perhaps independently for the first time on their own and they can't pull it together. They can't get it together. And of course, today we have so many helicopter parents, so many parents are doing so much for their kids that their kids are not able to actually develop that executive function, that function that says, I can do it myself. I can make my own bed. I can pack up my books. I can make my lunch and get myself to school. You know, there's a lineup of cars. Like, it's unbelievable. A massive lineup of expensive cars at the school dropping kids off. I can't believe it. I'm in the line. Anyway, no. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you think these kids aren't walking to school, so they're not getting the neurotransmitters. That helps with ADHD. They're getting dropped off. They've probably forgotten their lunch. The parents are going back to pick up the lunches or pick up whatever books. Their children aren't being allowed to fail. So there's a lot of issues around this, and especially if you become an adult uh, with ADHD, you're inattentive. You might be hyperactive, impulsive, or you may have the combined inattentive and hyperactive impulsive type. So the inattentive type is the most common in girls. It shows up because of a lack of focus and trouble listening, paying attention, being easily distracted, disorganized. And this is where it really impacts women uh, in adulthood. They forget things. They lose things. They, They may have eating disorders as well. It's very common that they have anorexia and bulimia. They don't follow through. They don't finish anything. They make careless mistakes. And if you're working outside of the home, working in the home, having the lion's share of the housework, the impact of ADHD can be very distressing, very unsettling. For adult women, ADHD makes it really hard to stay on top of a job and handle day-to-day life stressors. And if you're in a relationship, it can really drive other people crazy. Uh, Women with attention deficit disorder may struggle to manage personal finances in a big way, not in the way that I struggle. I have to say, finances are not my thing. These are the two most contentious issues in a marriage are finances and sex. And so finances, I'm not good at I need I say more. I do host a sex show. But anyway, if you got to if you got to be good at one, you might as well be good at the sex. So, uh but women that because that's detailed and that takes a lot of time to sit down and focus on it, women have a lot of difficulty and especially making the dinner, getting the lunches done, doing everything. It just seems like they are just and they can get very overwhelmed. It really takes an emotional toll and it can leave women prone to depression, anxiety, eating disorders, as I said. And this is something that cannot be ignored. You need to talk to your doctor about it. There are treatments, there's behavioral therapy, there are medications that can help manage ADHD. And, you know, there for people who are having trouble 
if you're working outside of the home, like just, you know, be sensible, sensible about it. Just look at it. Women take on and are expected to take on everything today. And so you can't actually be having a perfectly neat house and all of your finances in perfect order and work and perhaps travel and raise the kids and, and do everything without some assistance. Women with ADHD absolutely need assistance. And so you need to look at your, at your finances or have somebody help you look at, you know, what is most beneficial because if you're, if everything's scattered and you're, you know, not able to get your taxes in. For example, if you're incorporated and your taxes are late, it's a $1,500 fine. So if you cannot hire somebody to do that, you you must. <laughs> uh, you need help, you, and you need to get help from other people, but accepting that you have it is one of the most important things. Symptoms change over time, and hormones can make that change as well. So, so beware of that when you're pregnant or when you enter perimenopause or menopause. So uh, it's, a, it's a real thing, and it can really wreak havoc on a woman's life and her relationship. When I come back, who are those people your husband would cheat on you with? I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Where you think you're going, baby? Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. Now we're talking about men. Who do men and women choose for extramarital affairs? It's not just the guys who've cornered the market on this. Women cheat too. Uh, Women are just better at it. (laughs) We're sneakier. We use more discretion. We don't get caught. That's the thing. Men get caught. They, they're, I think they're driven perhaps by their member. They're, uh, they're thinking with their brain. God gave men enough. God gave men a brain and a penis, but enough blood to run only one at a time. That's not my line. That is beloved Robin Williams. But uh, sometimes you think that it's true. So, but it's interesting. A new survey has revealed the surprising behavior of men and women and when it comes to cheating or extramarital affairs. Uh, One in five people admit to having had a fling at some point in their adult life. Okay, that's 20% have had a fling. 13% of people say that while they have not had an affair yet, they have considered it. There's also, according to this British study, um, this, the, uh, by Telegraph Men, the it uncovered a discrepancy between men and women in terms of who they select as extramarital lovers. 44% of the adulterous men had chosen a work colleague compared to only 32% of women. In contrast, women were more likely than men to have an affair with a friend. 53% of men have affairs with friends and 32% of women have affairs with friends. You know what? I've heard this. I've heard of this. And I'm, I have to say, I'm often like, wow, I just can't see that crossing over from friendship to lovers. I have to say, um, but that's okay. There's a whole crew of us. <laughs> kidding, that are more likely to have an affair with a stranger. Actually, it's more men. 27% of men would have had an affair with a stranger versus 9% of women who admit to that. Get a load of this. 5% of people admitted to having an extramarital affair with a relative. Okay. And, but not a woman in the survey confessed to that. And there you go. There's the difference. Women are much sneakier. We were socialized to be sneakier. 
We know how that works, uh, but men don't. So um, that is quite interesting. This poll was conducted by YouGov on behalf of the the Sun by Telegraph Men. Uh, it a- it asked respondents to specify what sort of things they had done with people other than their partner. So while twenty percent admitted to having an affair, twenty two percent said they had kissed somebody else, and seventeen percent said they had slept with somebody else. Which suggests the definition of the term changes from person to person. So is it an affair if you just kiss somebody? That's a whole way of saying it wasn't an affair if you want, or is it full-on uh, sexual intercourse, making love with somebody else that constitutes an affair? It's often about the sex. Men were more likely to be repeat offenders on this. I, you know, I, I was in my clinical practice one day, and literally four women came in, and they were all in late 30s, early 40s, maybe mid-40s, actually, I should say. They probably weren't late 30s, but they were mid-40s, and and their children had sort of been grown up. They were, like, late teens, and um, they, all four of them, one after the other, all confessed to me that they had all had an affair. None of the marriages had broken up. None of them had been caught. And all of them were happy that they'd had the affair and that their marriage had not broken up. And the reasons these women had an affair, now the reasons might be different as well. For men, it's generally they're not getting sex at home. Uh, they're dissatisfied sexually. But for women, it's more more of that somebody comes along and you don't expect it and you're attracted to them and it's just because attraction is involuntary and it comes along so rarely. But women, it's not you can't marry somebody and just be attracted to them for the rest of your life. That is not reality. You are always going to meet somebody that is going to, you're going to be struck by their attractiveness. And and that's okay. You can just leave it at that. But it's not like one person. So these women, you know, somebody came along and they were struck. And they one woman said she had never been with another man. So she wanted to see what that was like. Another woman said she wanted to know if she was sexually normal. And another woman had said she was just struck by the baseball coach. And he dropped her home uh after a baseball game and he threw up against the wall and it was the most passionate sex she had ever had in her entire life. So, so the reasons are many and uh, the two sexes do cite different reasons behind extramarital activity. The women are often flattered by the attention because they often feel neglected or that they're the slave. They're just doing all the work and they, they don't feel sexual and they don't feel like uh, they're bringing that sexual person. So if somebody notices them, of course, in the midst of all of the busy things that uh, women are doing today, it's kind of like, wow, I am a sexual person. You've awakened my femininity. You've, I, I hadn't felt like that in a long time. And I am quite flattered that you have, you're, that you're attracted to me. You know, that, that's actually making me feel quite good. And so they may take that the next step. Uh, a lot of women felt they were emotionally deprived in their relationship. So, you know, you got to pay attention to one another. 32% of men pointed to dissatisfaction with their sex lives, and only 15% of women felt that. So there are a lot of people that are dissatisfied with their sex lives, and there are lots of reasons, and there are lots of sexual health problems, and there are lots of treatments for them as well. There's so many things that can happen on this gravel road of life, medical conditions, religious teachings, guilt, a trauma, tragedy, a loss, uh, low sexual desire, hormones, vaginal dryness, 
vet, which you can use vet, you can use joy gel for that. See, something simple and it has a great name. Uh, there's other choices as well. Repigine, gynotroph. There's lots of treatments for these things. Erectile dysfunction. You know, you really need to get it treated or you're going to shut down your sex life for the rest of your life. And we are living a long time these days, people. You might as well live it well, enjoy it. And, uh, well, you just have some sex. I mean, that's one way. (laughs) Or you could go into the gym naked. That's another way that certainly uh, will excite the masses. Anyway, well, you know what? When you're having fun, I guess it goes by pretty rapidly. Hope you, hopefully you were having some fun tonight here as well. Hope to see you on Tuesday night at Sex, Health, and Relationships. Tickets on, Evi- on Eventbrite. It is at the Roundhouse Community Center. And I may not have said that earlier, but you can always email me, sextalk at cknw.com. You can always hit the buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Back the Number to the Bedroom, and you can also go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance, and hopefully everybody have a lovely Mother's Day and have a great sleep tonight after some great sex. I'm Maureen McGrath, and you have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. <laughs>